Christmas Eve at Ascent, and you know we had to do something special just for you. Today is going to be a joy-filled day. No matter where you are, our hope and our prayer is that the joy of the Lord would intercept whatever it is that you may be facing, no matter whatever it is that you may be going through. Today is that day, and we get to be reminded of the joy of the Lord. And I have just the thing to kick us off with that. So watch this and follow me. Christmas carol together. We're going to lift up the joy that is found in this 
amazing day that we get to celebrate the birth of our newborn King. So would you join us? All right, let's enjoy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. guys, Merry Christmas, this is Chris. One of the things that is always true around this time is people love Christmas music. Christmas songs are an indelible part of the season, but I suspect that just maybe everyone doesn't know the lyrics as well as they think they do. So we're gonna go ask some people and find out just how well they actually know their favorite Christmas songs. Joy to the world, the savior. Is born. Is, is born, we're going with is born. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Shlopa shlopa chimbleton. Uh, well that one's called God rest ye merry gentlemen. <laughs> All right, take number three. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let deck the halls with boughs of holly. Joy to the world. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, in the meadow, we can build a snowman. And pretend that he is Parson Brown or a circus clown, depending on which verse. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. Joy to the world. Oh, God. 
Uh, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your feet. Toast. At your feet, good. Yeah, that rhymes well. In the meadow, we can build a snowman. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. Dawn we now in merry measure. Remember Christ our Savior. Was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from. Satan's power. When we were. Gone astray. Oh. Tidings of comfort and joy. Hey! God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Uh, something Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from... <laughs> Satan's power when we were... Small. <laughs> Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols. Singing Yule, Yuletide carols sing songs by the fire. <laughs> On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Ah, see, this reminds me of the Destiny Child song. Some, some in a belly ring. Twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping, ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings, and a partridge in a pear tree. Hundred percent. All right, that's it. Merry Christmas, guys. Signing out. I hope you have a wonderful night full of songs that you know. Well, I can't believe you guys still don't know the lyrics to famous Christmas songs. Well, listen, as you go Google those lyrics, I got something special I want to share with you. This year, even in the midst of COVID-19, we've been able to bless the city and to love our neighbor. The toy shop has been one of the greatest ways we've been able to do that. This year, Tonight, actually, 1,900 kids are gonna be going to sleep. They're gonna be going to sleep with hope and wonder of what will Christmas look like. Tomorrow, they're gonna to wake up. They're not even gonna brush their teeth. They're gonna have on their pajamas. They're gonna run into their parents' room. They're gonna wake their parents up and as their parents get up, they're all gonna to move towards the tree. And those 1,900 kids are gonna to walk towards that tree and surprise and joy is gonna overtake them. They're gonna begin to un unwrap those gifts and go through those presents. And the parents wanna sit at a distance, looking at each other with pride in their eyes, knowing they were able to give their children a Merry Christmas. This isn't hyperbole, this isn't exaggeration, this isn't some theory. These are the reality and the stories of the Christmas shop. And I want you to take a listen to some of those stories of what the Christmas shop has meant to some of the people in this community. We were asked multiple times if Logan's Christmas shop would be able to open this year because of COVID. We always knew the answer was yes. We knew the need would be great. Yes, for Christmas gifts, but also for meaningful engagement in the community and connection to the hope and joy that is the gift of Jesus at Christmas. What we didn't know were the ways that God was gonna provide through hundreds of hours of volunteer service and thousands of gifts donated to care for over 2,200 kids from 650 families. We want to share with you the story of one of our shoppers, Florence. When I came to the Christmas shop, everyone treated me so nicely. They told me to pick what I want for my grandchildren. Last Christmas, when I first came to America, everyone gave me gifts, but I didn't have gifts for them. 
This is why the Christmas shop was very good for me. I can give my grandchildren a very happy Christmas from their Jaja. Then on the way out, they gave me a gift card and told me to use it for myself. I felt too happy and going to buy a rope for myself. Every year I pray that God will grow this Christmas shop. This is showing the world the love of Christians. We had a lot of families come this year who had to ask for help for the first time, which can be a really hard thing to do. One of our deepest prayers every year is that when shoppers come in here, they're met with dignity. They're met with faces and voices that say, we see you and we wanna stand with you and support you in this challenging time. We had a single mom share with us how being a single mom in the pandemic has been especially hard and how coming here helped Christmas feel less stressful. She felt safe, she felt comfortable, she felt cared for. We want you to hear another story about a volunteer who interacted with another family who asked for help for the first time this year. So I saw one car parked kind of way far out in the parking lot. So I went out there to uh, see if they needed anything, if they were in the right spot. And uh, when I got out there, the mom rolled down her window and uh, she just said, you know, I, I've never been here. I'm not sure what's supposed to happen or how I do this. Um, I just started to explain to her how it all worked. And I, you know, just said, you have three kids, so you get three gifts per kid. And if you pick a bike or a scooter, you just get one per family. And just, she just lit up and she looked at her brother like, this is awesome. And he, you could tell that behind their mask, they were smiling. And, and that's when just all the hesitation was gone and they were just so thrilled to be there. So they just kind of zipped up to the front and they were just pumped to be there and so thankful to be a part of the Christmas shop this year. All of this was able to happen because of the countless volunteers who put in so many hours over the last few weeks. It started with decorators here turning this place into a winter wonderland, then people out all over town shopping, people scanning in gifts so we could have our digital inventory, then people organizing the back stock and getting all the gifts up onto the shelves. Then day in and day out, the people who were here creating the in-store experience for our shoppers. We had kids of all ages volunteering this year and we just kept hearing, my kid doesn't want to leave and they want to come back tomorrow. We had one volunteer who found herself here eight out of the 11 days that the shop was open. It was just such an amazing experience to be here. Being able to interact with people in such a meaningful way, it was just so, I was just so glad that I had the opportunity to do it this year. I was just really excited because I enjoyed being here so much. I was just so glad I had the opportunity to come back more. And there was a mom who was just saying her kids were having a really difficult time this year with homeschooling and everything. And she found something in our Christmas shop that she just knew would give her daughter so much joy for the first time in months possibly. It was so fulfilling to be able to see the joy on her face that she was gonna be able to supply her daughter with something that could really make a difference in her life. One mom left us with these words. I cannot thank you all enough brought tears of joy to my heart and to my eyes. You are definitely showing God's love through your kindness here. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your gifts online. Thank you for the gifts that you sent from Amazon. And thank you for your prayers. Merry Christmas. I say this happened because of you. You who decided to give of your time Many of you decided to sign up for the Christmas shop and help out by bringing people along through the Christmas shop and help them grab their toys and walking them to the car in the freezing cold and loading up their vehicles. This happened because of you who decided to go on Amazon and get to that registry and send a gift to the P.O. Box. 
This happened because of you being committed financially to the mission and vision of a sin, which we got to be in the midst of COVID-19, the hands and feet of Jesus. We got to love our neighbor, even in the midst of all that's taking place. This is the heartbeat of ascent, and this is the heartbeat of God. Isn't this what the Christmas story is all about? That even in the midst of all that was taking place in our world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. And Jesus, that baby boy, that story has so much power that it changed our worlds, a world that was longing for someone to rescue, a world that was broken by systems and circumstances. We got a savior. And because that baby boy came to us, not only do we call him Jesus, we call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be with Mary to be registered, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Christmas is sent. Bill Stevens here. I'm so glad to be getting to share Christmas Eve with all of you guys. How cool is it that we just jumped on a plane, flew out here to the barn that Jesus was born in here in Bethlehem? I mean, how, authentic, how much more authentic do you want for Christmas Eve? Now, really, you guys, when I say Merry Christmas to you, I, I really mean it. And especially you guys that are, are new, that might be joining us for the very first time tonight. Man, there, 
there'll be a day I can't wait to meet you in person. But until then, I genuinely want you to hear, we love it that you've joined us today, you guys. Now, now, I know when we say Merry Christmas, there's somebody that's going, Merry 2020? I can't put Merry in Christmas. Maybe we'll just say Christmas together instead of Merry Christmas because Merry doesn't fit with 2020. Man, there has been a lot of loss this year. There's been a lot of sacrifice. There's been a lot of disappointment. Some of you guys are coming into this season and you're going, there's, it's been anything but Merry. But you guys, what we are doing tonight is we are taking a look at a story where we've already listened to that part of that story, but we are taking a look at a story that has the power to, to, to give us joy despite the circumstances that we're going through, that give us a hope in the middle of the circumstances that we're going through. Man, we are looking at the greatest story ever told. And for that reason, I think we can say Merry Christmas because this is the one the one thing that we all can count on that is that brings us a joy that is deeper than any of the circumstances that we have been going through. Man, we are gonna take a look at the story, but it's not just the story that we just heard. It's not just a teenage mom in a barn, a little bit like this, maybe a little more rustic. It's, it's, it's more than wise men and fleeing to Egypt and donkeys. And it's, it's more than that. We're going further back. We're going to the very beginning of this story. And we're going to unpack this thing. And we're going to see that you and I, we're in this story. And so, so let's, let's spend some time on this Christmas Eve looking at the greatest story ever told. And what's that mean for you and me today? Let's pray first. Father, I want to I wanna pray, Lord, for, for this, this service and, and the folks that are listening to this service. I pray that your power would go right through that screen. God, I know there are some people that are sitting on their own tonight. And I pray that you would, you would, your power would come right through that screen and they would feel your presence. God, there are people that would be normally with a bunch of family right now, but to th this year, they're on their own. They're sitting, they're sitting in their living room. And I pray, Lord, that your power go beyond this screen and let them see that you are present. God, in this season that has had so many questions, we pray, Lord, that your power would be right with each one of us as we experience the joy of your story tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. So, so listen, do you ever think about the very beginning, the beginning of a story, the be when an author first starts dreaming, they first start getting inspired. They're inspired with a beginning of a story. They're inspired as that story builds. They think about that, that, that moment, that, that, that crescendo of, in, in, in musical terms or that climactic moment where they think all that builds to that, the conclusion. Do you ever think about what that's like for an author to, to be inspired to start that. They grab that pen. They grab that paper. It could just be a napkin and they just start writing it all out. Man, I'm fascinated by that. I look back at some authors and, and how they first got started and some of the ones that we just are so admire. J.K. Rowling, you guys, did you know that she started when her, the very beginning, she was a, she was a, a single mom. She was, she was struggling financially. She's on this train from Manchester to King's Cross in London in 1990. And she, in that moment, on that train, starts to dream 
starts to dream of a, of a kid. Harry Potter starts to dream of Hogwarts, starts to dream of, of Dumbledore and all the, all the different characters that, that, that she, she built out in that Harry Potter series. She began that dream on that train. One of my favorite ones, you guys, 1845. There's a guy sitting in Paris and he looks across the street and he sees this guy getting arrested for stealing a loaf of bread. And that was the very beginning of, of, of Victor Hugo's vision and dream and, and the inspiration for his, his masterpiece, Les Mis. And it started on that street. And you can picture him. You can picture him in that beginning as he just starts to dream about that, that guy that was, that, was, that was arrested. And you think about that beginning where you're going, all right, he's going to get released from prison at the beginning of this story. His name will be Jean Valjean. And he's going to be released from prison. And then he'll build that story up. And it will bring it to that climactic moment, that moment when, when Marius is at the barricade and, and Jean Valjean comes and saves him from the barricade and gets him through the tunnel. We'll get to that conclusion of Cosette and Marius getting married and, and, and them realizing it was Jean Valjean that was the one that saved them. You guys, that entire 17 years of work that Victor Hugo did, it began on the streets of Paris when he just started building this story in his head. You see, I, I think of all of, you think of Tolkien. Do you know that Tolkien started, that, that his whole vision of, of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, that started in Yorkshire after World War I? I was reading about this, that he was, he was, he got sick from the trenches in France in World War I. He's sitting there in Yorkshire. He sees his wife in the distance dancing. And from that, he wanted to develop a love story. And in this love story, it ended up being Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I would never have called that a love story, but that's where it got started. That was the inspiration. Man, every author, they think through that whole progression into this beautiful story. You guys, today we're talking about the greatest story ever told. I start thinking about God and I'm going, can you imagine what it was like for God in the very beginning to just go, all right, here we go. I'm gonna, this is my story. This is the story from the beginning all the way through. See, John started writing about that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four guys that set out to write about the life of Jesus. Now, Luke was a doctor and he spent most of his time on the specifics. And that's what we got to read today from Luke chapter two. We got to read of the story of Jesus being born. But John, he went to the very beginning. He went to the very start of the story. Listen to what John says. John says, before the world began, the word was there. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there with God in the beginning. Everything was made through him. John's writing that it started a long time ago, not just right here with Jesus. It started a long time ago, and, and Jesus was there. The Word was there. The Word was with God. Everything was made through him. The entire story, all of this started then, and he was there. And nothing was made without him. In him, there was life. And that life was the light for people of the world. And it says, and, and the darkness couldn't overcome it. Man, that's part of what's beautiful about this story. And looking at it from the very beginning is many of us have been living in a state of darkness, it feels like in these moments in this year. 
But man, this is a story of a light where the darkness could not overcome it. And here's the deal, you guys. God starts that story at the beginning. God builds it up to this climactic moment and there's a conclusion. Well, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil the story and give you the conclusion first. The conclusion is you and me. See, God looks at this story and he says, you and me, we're not accidental and we're not incidental in this story. We're not accidental. We don't, we're not an incidental piece. We're a primary person on this story as well. Jesus is obviously the key to this entire story, but we are also part of this entire story. So picture that, you guys. At the very beginning, when God starts this, at the beginning, God is looking at his story. He's, he's, he's dreaming his story. And you and me, we're in on that story. He's thinking of you and me as he's thinking through this story. Now that story begins with the perfection of God's kingdom. This is his kingdom story. And it begins with the perfection of that story. And God in a perfect relationship with us, that's the way he got it started. But look, he did not, he wasn't going to force that love on us. He was going to make us love him. He was going to say, I'm going to give you the choice to love me. And we, and, and what we chose is we chose to say, no, I love what myself more. I'm going to choose to go my way. And we turned our back on God and that entered a brokenness in every love story. And this is a God's kingdom story is a love story because he loves us that much. And in every love story, there's that moment that it's broken. And, and God in that moment has a choice. He can just say, forget them. Or he can say, no, I'm right there with them. And instead, what God does, is he says, I am going to pursue these people. This has now become a redemption story. When that was broken, it's now become a redemption story. And God wants to now be on a holy pursuit of you and me. He looks at it and he says, man, I know that, that is, this is not what I intended at the beginning, but this, I know this is the story. I'm going to redeem this story. I'm going after him. And, and, and he sees this. He goes, I know they're going to wander off and I'm going after him. I know they're going to they're gonna just say no to me. I'm still going after him. I know they're going to doubt me. I know they're going to find other gods to worship. I know they're going to find some false idols. They're going to do all. But he's going, I'm going to still pursue because this is going to be a redemption story. And God's love is on a holy pursuit of us. That's his story. And we're in it because we're not accidental. And we're not incidental in this story. Well, what happens is you start to pick up. People start to understand. They start to go, wait a minute. I'm starting to sense that love that God has for me. I'm starting to feel that pursuit. Man, we could pick a couple hundred passages that would show that. But I looked at Psalm 27 when David looks back in the Old Testament and he says, God, you are my light. You are my salvation. You are the strength of my life. It's a person that is going in the middle of my stuff. I mean, David was somebody that, that, that committed adultery, that murdered. I mean, this is a guy that was a, a man after God's own heart, but is someone that had done all kinds of stuff. But he's going, I started to recognize you have been on a holy pursuit of me. And he's saying, you're my light and my salvation and the strength of my life. He was recognizing it. 
Well, as this story keeps building and God is building to this climactic moment, God is building that story up. He starts speaking to us. He tells us things like what he said in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 through, 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 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. See, I, I'm, I got a dream for you. I, got a, I, I, I love you this much. I, got, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And you're going to call upon me and you're going to pray to me and, and I'm going to listen to you and you're going to seek me and you're going to find me when you seek me with all your heart. Because it's a love story. And I'm in a holy pursuit of you. And I want you to love me back. He says, I got a plan for you. And now people have abused that passage and they've said, oh, that's for, why is COVID happening? What happened to God's plan? But no, God's plan was building up to this climactic moment. And it was was building up to that. I mean, that's the plan. When the plan to to prosper you, not to harm you, it's because I have a climactic moment that you are going, that's going to, that's going to change your world. And that's that I, I'm building that story up. In fact, there's a point in the midst of the story that God so can't wait to, to, to tell us what that climactic moment is going to be that he starts to foreshadow it. He starts to say, man, I'm going to tell you what's happening down the road. Yeah, I'm gonna, I want to show you what's going to happen. And he starts telling, telling us a little bit more about it. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he'll call him Emmanuel. Can't you picture God, the great author of the greatest story ever, that's saying to you and me, he's saying, saying, hey, listen, Emmanuel is coming. God with us. He's going, I just gave away the climactic moment. God with us. That's what's coming, you guys. And then a couple of chapters later, he continues to foreshadow this, 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 this huge celebration that's about, that's coming 800 years later, but he celebrates, he says this, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. You guys, what's going to happen is somebody that even the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called. And this is where God is going. I know you and you're not accidental. And you're not incidental. And I know what you need. And I love you this much. And you don't even know what you need, but I know what you need. And he's saying, and he's going to be called the Wonderful Counselor. He's looking at it going, man, I know you. I know you in 2020. I know what you're, what, that, that you're going to need somebody that's going to go below the surface. That's going to get further and further down. A great counselor knows how to get below the first level and the second level and into the level where you're going, all right, now let's really do some work here. That's what a great counselor will do. And he's going, man, I know what's at your heart. I know what's at your core. I know what makes your heart beat. I know, I know. I know what makes you angry. I know what makes you jealous. I know what makes you want to turn from me. I know what makes you fear. I know what makes you love. That's the wonderful counselor. He's going, I know you're going to need a wonderful counselor. He says, he says, it's going to be a wonderful counselor. It's going to be an almighty God. And you guys, 
I need a mighty God. I don't know about you, but in this season of my life, man, I need a mighty God. I've been, as I've been looking at me just pastoring our church, man, I need a mighty God that I'm going to follow. I need a mighty God that is going to be the lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that I can fully have confidence in. It's going to blaze that trail through the murky and muddy waters of trying to figure out church and life and COVID. I need a mighty God that I'm going to go step right behind and follow him wherever that mighty God takes me. And I want to, I want others to follow with me and jump on board with me and take us and take our church to wherever God wants us to go. Man, that's a mighty God that's going to be the lamp into our, my feet and a light unto my path that we can so fully trust and have confidence in, in a season where we don't have confidence in anything. I need that mighty God and God knows it because he knows me and you. And he's saying, that's what's coming. And then he says that it's going to be an everlasting father. Man, how many people are feeling isolated? How many people are feeling lonely? How many people are feeling like they've just been shoved into the corner? How many people need an everlasting father? I remember my son, we were at a hotel pool in Montana and my son was, it was a long time ago and he was just going to jump into the deep end of the pool for the very first time in his life. And I'm telling him, come on, Jack, you can do it. Jump into the pool. You can do this. And I'm standing there waiting for him going, come on, bud, you can do it. And Jack finally jumps into the pool and his, he was terrified and he, and he, and he jumps into my arms and he just gives me a headlock. His hands are gripped around my neck and he says, dad, don't let me go. And I said to him in that moment, I said, Jack, I'm never going to let you go. But you know what? I'll fail as a dad. He's 25 years old now, and I still could, I'll still fail as a dad. But you know who won't? An everlasting father that will meet you in your isolation and will meet you in your hurt and say, I'll be with you. And then he says one more that's coming because he knows us too. And we're not accidental. We're not, we're not incidental in this story. And he looks at us and he says, a prince of peace is coming. Because he knows many of us have had our heart in our throat, our anxiousness, our fear. We don't know what to do or where to go. And he's saying, I'm bringing you a prince of peace that's going to meet you right in the heart of it. So he's building it, you guys. He's building it. He's foreshadowing. Now he foreshadows one more thing, you guys. In a bunch of chapters later, Isaiah, he says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So he's, he's, he says, there's one more thing, you guys. His love for us is going to go so far that it's going to go all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave, and he is going to conquer the grave. Do you know why? Because he, he wants this love that is building from the very beginning, that is, he's foreshadowed to this, ma- this magical, beautiful moment. He wants, he, wants to, to, he wants people to know that he's going to go all the way to the grave for that because he doesn't want that love to end. He doesn't want the grave to be the end. He wants this love to go on for eternity. 
And so he's going to send his son all the way to the grave for the death that we deserved. But he's going, no, I'm going to take it so that we can be together for eternity. Man, he foreshadowed the greatest story ever told. And then he comes to this moment, this moment in time, this moment where God is finally going to bring everything that he has done right to this place. And he brings it here and he, said, and he, and he, and he says, Emmanuel, God with us in a barn, as a baby, in a mess. Why in the world would God come in that situation? Well, maybe it's because he knows we're not accidental. He knows we're not incidental. And he knows there is mess all over our life. And we're, but we're in messiness all around. He's going, you know what? My love can relate to your messiness. Because I've been in the heart of that as well. As Herod's killing babies and Mary and Joseph are running to Egypt. I've been in that mess. I know that mess, and I'm still right there with you. And he comes in the form of a baby, and I sometimes wonder why. And maybe I got a glimpse of why just a few months ago. See, Jack and Emily, my son Jack and, and his wife Emily, they had, they had their little baby Brindley, and I'm a grandpa for the very first time. And I'm mad at all of you grandparents out there that didn't tell me how ridiculously cool this was. I would have been telling my kids to have babies way before. Well, they just got married, so I'd, I'd have stuck with this, this timing. But look, when, when, when they had Brindley, I... There was a day that I grabbed Brindley. It was, I was a, it was a hard day for me. And I, I, and I grabbed Brindley and I was looking at this little baby. And I said to her, I said, Brynn, I said, you are the easiest thing in my life right now. And you are the safest thing in my life right now. And for some crazy moment, I found peace looking into the eyes of that baby. I don't know, maybe that's, hey, God, coming in the form of that baby. Maybe Mary was looking at him and she found peace in the eyes of that baby because God has come, Emmanuel, and that God is here. Man, this is the climax of the story. This is that, the, the climactic moment. I looked at that word climax and that word means it's the point where the value of the story is tested to its highest degree. All of that stuff, all the beauty of the love of God and all of that story, that could be a good, nice, feel-good story. But this, this is the climax. This is where the value of the story is tested. This is where the value of the story is, is tested to its highest degree. Is God who he said he is? Is, is, is God going to do what he said he was going to do? Is God as powerful as he said he is? Is God as loving as he says he is? Can God do what no one else can do? Can God conquer the grave? Can God, can God breathe life into us? This is the, is the place where the value of the story is tested to its highest degree. And God knows it. And he's going, this is the beauty of what I'm giving to you guys on Christmas. It's tested and it, it's true in the very simplest form possible. It's true. Eugene Peterson wrote that Jesus is the coming together in final form of the themes 
and the energies and the movements that had been set in motion before the foundation of the world. This story was from the beginning built up into this moment. It's why Matthew talks about how it's been fulfilled. He says that a number of times, and as he's writing about Jesus, that the story is being fulfilled and you and I are part of the story. It's being fulfilled. And this is why, for me, I so love the moment that the angels are talking to the shepherds because God, as the beautiful author of our story, of the story of Jesus, as he's the author of that story, this is his crescendo moment. This is that moment where the angels said to the shepherds, don't be afraid for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all people, for all people, because every one of us have been included in this story from the very beginning, whether you believed it or not. We are part of this story. And see, this is for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah. You guys, the Messiah, that's Hebrew Messiah. It's Greek as Christ. And that just means the chosen one, the anointed one, the one that I have been preparing this entire story for is in this moment. That, that Savior, has come, the one that will make all the difference in your life and in my life. And it says, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts. You guys just picture the, the biggest choir possible praising God in this unbelievable climactic moment saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. We know that story will continue. And that climactic moment will go right from, the, from that birth, right until his death on the cross, him putting into the grave, him rising from the dead, him ascending into heaven, and him leaving us his Holy Spirit, and him saying to you and me, nothing about this has been accidental. And nothing about your story is incidental. I'm doing this because... I love you that much. You guys, this is a love story. It's a story where God says, I'm never going to leave you. It's a story where God says, I'm never going to stop pursuing you. It's a story where God says, I'm going to cover you. It's a story where God says, I know you will run and I'll run after you. It's a story where God says, I know you're going to screw up and I'm going to keep forgiving you. It's a story where God's saying, you're, you're, this love, it will always, always be chasing you. It's a story about redemption. It's a story that says it was broken, but it's going to be fixed. And when it's going to be fixed, you're going to realize it's life. And it's life not just for now, but it's life for eternity. It's a story from the beginning that has a, that has a buildup, that has a foreshadowing and a climactic moment that is God entering into this world all the way to the point that he, he ascends into heaven. And it's God saying it's a story for you. It's a story of a wonderful counselor that knows you well. It's a story of an everlasting father, an almighty God and a prince of peace. It's a story that you and me are very much a part of. You guys, this Christmas season, this has been a brutal, hard season. 
It's a season of loss. It's been a season of trying times. It's been a season of sacrifice. But God's with us. And we find ourselves in the middle of an extraordinary story. And I know some of you might say, I just don't know that I'm in that story. That you might say, man, I'm not religious. You might say, I haven't read the Bible. I haven't prayed. I have strayed. I have, I have hurt people. I have, I have gone the wrong direction. I have given into the addiction. I have, I, have, I have hurt myself. You might see all of those things. You might just say, I have been apathetic. I have been tired. I have had no desire to pursue God. I have tons of doubt. You might say all of that. And you're still squarely in the middle of a love story of a God that so loves you and so pursues you and so believes in you that he actually said, I'm going to come and I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to come to this earth and I'm going to show you how much I love you all the way to spreading his arms and dying on a cross for us. That's the greatest story ever told. And he had you and me in mind as he even got it started all the way through. That's the Christmas story that he wants every one of us to hold on to in a season that it's hard to hold on because he brings us joy and he brings us hope because he's a love story that never ends. And all he asks of you and me to receive that love. Receive it. He said, I'll keep working with you. Receive that love. Man, I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas tomorrow because there is joy to be had and there is hope to, to, to grab hold of. Now here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to do what we do every year at Ascent. We are going to, we're go, we, if we were in the auditorium, we would start to light the candles and we would spend this time singing Silent Night together. And so tonight we want to finish with the same thing we've done. If we were in person, we're going to sing Silent Night together. And I know some of you might not have candles around and maybe you never sing in front of the screen, but this might be the night to stand and just sing Silent Night with us. You know, if you have a candle, go light a candle. If you're like my mom that never lights candles because she just, she loves the look of a candle, but doesn't want to ruin the wick tonight, mom, light the candle and sing Silent Night with us because we have something to sing about. This love story is with the Lord and us. Let's sing together from God's great, great climactic moment of him coming to this world because he loves us that much. Let's sing Silent Night together. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin mother and child, holy infant so dear.
the greatest story ever told. A saint, you are not accidental nor incidental. And we pray that you have a very, very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.